You've heard me talk about four different types of buyers for your services in the wedding industry. And if not, go listen to episodes 4, 32, and 54 after this one. Because selling the different kinds of buyers takes skill. But it also takes knowledge to get started and practice to get good. Over the next couple months, I'm going to do a deep dive on each type of buyer. Relators, analyzers, bosses, and dreamers. I'll share insights on how do you identify them compared to the other buyer types. What do they want most from you? And how can you tweak the buyer's journey to make it easier for them to book your services, no matter what you offer? Today, we're starting with relators. These buyers filter the world through the relationships with others. And in this episode, I'll show you how to help relators buy you, not your product or your services. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Tell me if this sounds familiar when you go through your inbox looking at inquiries that come in for the first time. Go something like this. Hi, my name is Sarah. My fiance Steve and I found you through a friend of ours. You helped with her wedding last year and it was amazing. We're planning our wedding for next spring. It's at the local Four Seasons with 150 to 200 people coming from all over the country and even internationally. We're planning three days of events so we can enjoy the company of our closest friends and family as much as possible. We're still in the early stages of planning, so don't have many details, but we do know that we want everyone to have a chance to connect with each other during the wedding weekend. We have many people traveling from out of town, and we want to make sure they all feel welcomed and can enjoy themselves. Right now, we're reaching out to people like you to get to know more about you and the services you offer. We love your work, and we feel like it could be a really good fit. How can we start a conversation about what it would be like to bring you in for our wedding? Warmly, Sarah and Steve. P.S. Here's a photo of us with our fur baby Pixie, so you can get to know us a bit before we meet you. Now, it may be that you get lots of inquiries like this, or maybe you don't get that many. I don't know. I also don't know if it's a good fit for you, but the Four Seasons sounds like a pretty good place to get married, and it sounds like they also have a lot of money. That's a good start. I don't know anything about the look and feel and vibe of the event either, because she didn't say anything about that. But here's what I do know about Sarah the bride-to-be who sent in this fictitious inquiry. She's not the only one planning the wedding. In fact, others are heavily involved, including her fiancé and maybe even her mother or her sister. She needs to connect personally with the vendors that she's choosing for the wedding, including you. She might feel a little bit overwhelmed with all the decisions and the pressure that she's under. Wedding planning started out fun, but now it's stressful. She's probably concerned about everyone who's helping her feel like their voices are being heard and all of them are happy. She's so focused on others that she hasn't been able to put down her own needs to the forefront. And that means that she's going to stall out on making a decision because she doesn't really know what she wants from you or your services. She'll need support and guidance to make the decision. And she shouldn't be expected to sell your services to her fiance or parents who are heavily involved. You'll want to take her out of the middle and do the sales work for her. On the wedding day, she won't want to be rushed. She'll want to spend time with her friends and family getting ready. She'll need quiet time with her sweetie amidst all the commotion of the wedding day. 
She'll put intention and care into the details and will want to honor family traditions as much as possible. She won't have a lot of time to plan out the wedding because she's too busy helping others in her job in some form of caretaking like nursing or teaching or human resources or nonprofit work or pediatrics or social work or client management. But don't fault her for not putting the time in for the wedding or feeling overwhelmed or not knowing the next steps that she needs to take or not moving fast enough. She's sensitive to feeling judged and takes everything personally, even when she shouldn't. How do I know these things about our fictional character, Sarah? Because Sarah is a relator by her type. And I've responded to hundreds, maybe thousands of inquiries like this over my 16 years in the wedding industry. Now, you've heard me talk about these four different buyer types for your services because selling to each one of them takes skill. And I want to share these insights on how you can do that better in your own business, how you can stretch your way of communicating to meet each one of these buyer types where they're at. And today, we're starting with relators. Now, relators filter the world through their relationships with others. They want to make personal connections with people. They want to get to know you as a person, not just a vendor for their wedding. And when they do make a decision on who they're going to go with, they're buying you, not your product, not your service, not your experience, not even your expertise. They're buying you. Ultimately, they want a friendship before the wedding, on the wedding day, even after the wedding, they want to stay in contact with you. When they reach out, they're going to write long emails and it may take 15 minutes or more to warm up on a call before you can move on to business. They're motivated to make others happy. Social harmony is the thing they strive for. They want to make everybody happy in the group. Everyone getting along is more important than their own needs being met. And they're likely to have a dominant fiance or parent involved in making the decision. Oftentimes, relators are just a scout going out for the group and collecting information and bringing it back. Now, the best way to tell if you just received an inquiry from a relator, go check out their profile on LinkedIn. Just look it up. Go to LinkedIn. Take a look at what they've done for their work. I'm guessing caretaking professions. Or they could be in the service industry or support positions like admin or assistants. When you go through and you look at their education, they might have majored in English or psychology or education or health sciences. Or maybe they got a liberal arts degree. And if you go all the way down the bottom of a LinkedIn profile, you'll probably find that they have a history of volunteering or being an advisor or a mentor or going onto boards. Now, when you know that you're working with a relator, it's important to make sure that you are addressing content and messages and also your behaviors in a way that's going to make them happiest. So what do relators want most from you? Number one, they want that connection. They want somebody who's warm and friendly. It's not about what you say, it's about how you say it. And in fact, when you're in a group and they're first meeting people, relators often don't listen to the words that are being exchanged. All they're doing is paying attention to the body language and the tone of voice. So it's really important to come across as warm and friendly. You've also got to reassure them that it's all going to be okay, it's all going to work out, that you're going to help get them everything that they want. Important to provide that reassurance because they're always worrying if it's going to happen. As you move through the sales process, make sure that you are guiding them step by step. They want to know what's coming up next. If you're going from A to Z, you've got to make sure to go from A to B, B to C, 
C to D, D to E, and so on. Some people call this hand-holding. I just think it's being a good salesperson. Another thing you've got to make sure that you do is you've got to let them know that other people have found success doing this before them. So provide options that others found successful and let them know. It's called the herd effect. It's very, very helpful when guiding relators through the sales process or as a client. So tell them, hey, you know what? I totally understand where you're coming from. Other people have felt that same way. Totally normal. Here's what they found worked really well. This is the feel, felt, found framework. It starts with empathy. I understand how you feel. It lets them know that other people have felt that same way. Totally normal, not judging you. And here's what we found works. Here's the herd and the success that they've seen. So provide options that other people have found successful. Really important to make sure that you step in to sell the others in the group. They have other decision makers, probably a lot of them, because relators are often people pleasers. And so we want to make sure that you're not putting them in a position where they have to do the selling for you because they're probably not the best salespeople. So step in, sell your services for the others. Lastly, relators want to make sure that there's a connection during communication. So email, not very good, especially because there's no tone for them to pick up on. And they may read into things that you didn't want to communicate. Phone is good because they can hear your voice, but Zoom is the best. Zoom is great for relators, especially because they're going to have multiple people that are involved in making the decision and it gets a chance for everybody to be on the conversation at the same time. It also allows you to make contact with your eyes, to smile, to use your body language, to mirror them and make them feel comfortable. So how do you adjust the sales process when you know you're working with a relator? First and foremost, speak softly and slowly. Also focus on how you say things, not just what you say. Remember that can be more important than the content. Show interest in them as a person. Make them feel like they're a human, not just a buyer, not just somebody with a credit card that you're trying to get. Personalize the inquiry response. And as you do this, as you get to know them as a person, remember the things that they shared with you. If you can remember the things they share with you, they're going to feel like you're paying attention, that you've seen them, you've heard them, that they're important to you. When you think about a discovery call with a relator, make sure that you are allowing more time to warm up the conversation. The relator may be nervous to get on the phone with you. They may feel like they don't know the right questions or under pressure like you're going to sell them. So start off in a warm and friendly way and give yourself an opportunity to connect with them as a person. Start with those personal questions. Many of you heard me say that it's not a great idea to spend too much time asking personal questions on discovery calls. And that's absolutely 100% true with the exception of relator buyer types. If you find that you're working with a relator or you think you are with the research that you did on LinkedIn ahead of time, it's the right way to start the discovery call. Get to know them as a person. Ask them about their relationship with their fiance. How did they meet? What are their favorite things to do together? What was the proposal like? How are each handling being engaged? What do their families tell them when they found out they were engaged, start the discovery call with personal questions. And if you can't get them to warm up very quickly, make sure that you are showing vulnerability first before you ask him or her to open up themselves. Sometimes you got to put some deposits into that trust account before you're asking them to do it themselves. 
When you're on this discovery call, avoid questions about details and logistics. It's too easy to get into that trap, especially if you are talking about timelines or budgets. What contracts have you signed? All of those things are overwhelming, stressful, filled with pressure, potential mistakes. Maybe they feel like they haven't gotten far enough along or they don't know enough about their wedding to talk to you. So avoid putting them in a position where they don't know the answer to the question. As you're having the conversation with them on a discovery call, make sure you're using active listening techniques to make them feel heard and understood. I have an episode on active listening. Go back. Listen to that. Reflect back to the person you're listening to, what it is that they said. Nod. Let them know. Make eye contact. Take notes. Let them know you're taking notes. Let them see you taking notes. Paraphrase. Ask clarifying questions. Use phrases like, tell me more. These active listening techniques will make them feel seen. Also, ask about others' involvement in making the decision early in the sales process and make sure that when you find out who's involved, you know what their role is, what's important to them, and then how you can best include them in the conversation moving forward. When you do send out a proposal to somebody who is a relator buyer type, make sure that you are personalizing the intro to your proposal. If you've heard all about my approach to a short form sales page for a proposal, you know that the bulk of it is a template. We sell one. But you've got to make sure that you're personalizing the intro to the proposal. That's the one thing that you really want to make sure that you are customizing. Sure, a little bit with the pricing and packages. Yes, you're trying to fill in the next steps down at the bottom. But that intro, that personal connection, you can call them by name. Hi, Sarah and Steve. Thank you so much for the time to learn more about your wedding. I really feel like we connected. Thanks so much for sharing all the priorities and the concerns that you have for your wedding. Here's what I took away from the conversation. Bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. And then you go into offering your services. But you got to start by personalizing the intro. You got to let them know, reflect back that you heard them, that you know what's important to them. And in that proposal, make sure you're providing lots of social proof through testimonials three to five, maybe even more for a relator. And when you feature the testimonial, make sure you put in the person's face, not just in the name, but the face. They want to see, they want to connect. They want to look in the person's eyes, know they're a real human. It increases believability by 60 to 70% when you put a photo next to the name and the testimonial. And that's not the only place you want to use photos. When you are working with relators, you want to make sure you use photos of people and all of your collateral. Too often, wedding pros focus on details or decor. Make sure that you are focusing on people. Don't show a picture of an empty ballroom or a ceremony set up without anybody sitting in it. That's not going to appeal to the relator. Make sure you put photos of people in there. Lastly, consider using video messaging or voice memos instead of email. It's really powerful for a relator to see your eyes, to hear your voice. Oftentimes, that can be the difference. Now, this is just the tip of the iceberg on things that you need to know about relator buyer types. There's so much more to learn, including what not to do, how to create marketing messages that resonate with them, how to trigger that belonging motivation. Also, ways to tweak the website so you can attract more relator buyer types. If this is your ideal client, if this is who you really love working with, then you could do things on your website to get more of them in your inbox. 
But because they have a lot of people who are involved in making the decision, you've also got to learn how to sell to behind the scene decision makers, that fiance, how to handle the parents during the sales process. You also need to know what to do when they become your client. How can you modify the client experience to meet them where they're at? And then when you get to the wedding day, there are certain things that you can do to tweak and modify that experience as well to make sure that relators feel comfortable. And then of course, because they want to be your friend even after the wedding's over, there are certain things that you can do with relators to make them feel even more connected to you. But this is a good start. And it's a really good opportunity for you to get better at stretching your way of communicating with them. Remember, the golden rule is that you treat others how you want to be treated. But the platinum rule, which is so much better, is that you treat others how they want to be treated. When you meet people where they're at, it's easier for them to communicate with you. There's less friction. It's like you're speaking the same language instead of different dialects. And when that happens, you make a lot more progress together. Now, we've received over 2,000 questionnaires from couples that we've interviewed through emails and forms who have worked with our coaching and copywriting clients. We send out 10, 15, 20 of them to every single one of our clients when we're creating communication strategies. And over the course of several hundred website projects and coaching clients, we've learned that relators are one of the most common buyer types that we see, especially the ones who are the first people to inquire about your services. So get to know relators, learn what they need from you, and then design a buying experience that feels good for them, feels good for them. If you don't or you can't, you're missing out on a massive segment of the market. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 